Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Podcast. I'm George Sedano. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you smash the like button and, of course, subscribe to the ESPN LA YouTube, okay? Do that. And if you aren't listening to this on the audio accompaniment, you can find that on my radio show feed, Sedano and Cap, wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, the ESPN app, the ESPN LA app, wherever the hell you find it. So here's the deal. We're bringing you a very special guest today, friend of mine, Nate Duncan, uh, Dunked On Podcast, right? Did I get that right? Yep. Yeah. D Dunked On Prime, a subscription podcast. Yes. Uh, you you do great work there. Um, for those that really are, if you're watching this, chances are you're more than just a casual NBA fan. So if you want to go even further in regards to how hardcore you are, Nate is your man, is what I would say. So he is the right person to discuss this stuff with. I want to do a deep dive on the Western Conference. You are based in the Bay Area, so you are around the Warriors a ton. I want to start with them and kind of work our way around the Western Conference here uh, to some teams that I think are worth mentioning. So I'm going to make this very open-ended for you, Nate. And again, thank you for joining us. The Warriors, what are they this season? It's really been a fascinating season of stops and starts at now 23 and 24. Every time it looks like they were finding some traction, they go three and two on a road trip. They got the moral victory, if not the actual victory in Boston. And then they blow a 12 point lead in the last six minutes and can't score against the Nets last night. So that a, a microcosm of their season. And they started three and seven and they've really have been behind the eight ball ever since that point. However, if you look at how some of their individual players have played at times, like Steph Curry was in the MVP conversation before he got hurt, looked like every bit the player he was in last year's playoffs. Draymond Green has been as good as ever this season. He stabilized their second unit when they moved into the bench. And Jordan Poole has had moments. Klay Thompson had a 54-point game. Andrew Wiggins has had points where he's played well. But they just haven't been able to get everyone playing well at the same time, healthy, to go on a run, and so they just remain a team with maybe the highest potential in the West, but obviously not the best actual record at the moment. It gets, it feels like they're Steve Kerr is like having to coach two different teams, though, <laughs> right? It's like the veteran team, and then there's kind of the mix of the young guys team, and sometimes those teams combine and join forces, and sometimes they don't, as you alluded to earlier. But how difficult of a coaching job has this been for Kerr, considering all the different lineup machinations that they've had? Yeah, I think it has been difficult, particularly on the defensive end. And many were like, well, they let Otto Porter and Gary Payton go like that. Wouldn't have been a panacea. Neither of those guys have really played it all this year. But they are missing that element. Even Andre Iguodala was very good for them the first half of last year. So they're missing the personnel that pushed them to be the number two defense and the number one defense before Draymond went down last year. That's the biggest difference. They've had explosive moments offensively when Steph's been on the floor. They've been very good offensively. We just haven't seen any kind of a sustained period of them playing Warriors defense. And a big part of that is because they just haven't had those veteran stalwarts backing up their main players that they had last year. And can they regain that? Like, do you think that it's possible? Do you think there's enough time? Because I feel like we're in this weird stage where we're kind of beyond the halfway mark. We're not yet at the trade deadline or the all-star break. 
But do you think that this current group, as currently constituted, can regain some of that even without a Gary Payton or an Otto Porter? I think it's possible, but you wouldn't necessarily want to be counting on it. And that's why I would be scouring the trade market if I were them to find that fifth closer in matchups where it's not going to work with Kevon Looney. Now, Steve Kerr, his latest idea has been, we're going to just start Jordan Poole. We're going to go all in on offense. At the beginning of the playoffs, that unit looked like it was going to be really good. Uh, unfortunately, Andrew Wiggins isn't playing well right now. Coming back from injury, he's a, really a linchpin of that group has to do a lot of the big man stuff if they're going to start those three guards. So it seems like he's looking for a group that can give him a little bit more versatility. To me, though, finding that versatile stretch four type who can switch, make some shots, play smart within their system is a priority. They have some internal options for that. Jonathan Kaminga, probably the most prominent among them as far as someone who can boost the defense individually and he's starting to learn how to play a little bit better but do you want to count on a 20 year old closing games during the playoffs that's a concern it anthony lamb has probably been the best two-way guy in the league and his skill set fits in well there but he may just not quite have the athleticism that's needed at that position in the playoffs so i think really for the first time in this era that getting a specific upgrade like that should be a priority for them of course the question then becomes who would be available for the price that they're willing to pay? That really would be an upgrade on some of the names that I just mentioned. Well, and what would that price be? Like, what what kind of assets do they have at the moment? Well, so uh, their biggest problem right now in acquiring a player is the question of matching salary, which is kind of weird to think about because they have this record high payroll, but they're not going to trade Clay or Draymond or Steph. Jordan Poole is functionally untradeable because he got just got this big extension due to cap rules. He can't really be traded until the summer. So you're left with James Wiseman, who's making about $10 million this year, $12 million guaranteed for next year. That would have to be the matching salary. So you can only take on so much there. They're also going to be loath to use that to take on more salary because they're paying about $7 for every additional dollar that they take on right now. And then, so is Wiseman in and of himself enough of an asset that you, you could get an upgrade? Would they, they've got Moses Moody as well, who hasn't been in the rotation. And then they can trade essentially two first round picks. They owe a 24 first to Memphis. And so they could probably trade 26 and 28 first. That's what they have available. But the question of what you can give up for a guy that would match salary with Wiseman and who would be available there as a thorny one to answer. Right. There's not a lot there, right? Like you're looking at maybe, you know, if, you know, I, I guess you can, they could take back um, a salary, I guess, within 120%, right? So 125%. Yeah. 125. Right. So you're looking at a 12 and a half million dollar player basically is what you can yeah. get for Wiseman. Now, I guess if you throw in the picks, there's different math there potentially. Um, but to your point, they don't have a ton of assets there either. And that was really my, I mean, I figured the young guys would be what they would dangle uh, in that scenario. But the the picks, everyone's going to want, particularly with Wiseman. Um, and I, I want to kind of dive into him a little bit with you now. My understanding is just defensively has always been the biggest issue with him. That offense is actually not as big a deal as everyone thinks it is. That defensively, he just feels, he looks lost at times. And when his minutes on the floor have obviously cost them on that end specifically. 
So you're are are you willing to say that they are done with the James Wiseman experiment, or they are kind of like if ten is done and one is no, they're still fully committed. Where are they on the James Wiseman situation? Yeah, I think about a six. Like Joe Lacob is his biggest fan in the organization. It seems like, and he does have some potential. His biggest problem is just that he hasn't been able to string together more than like two or three weeks at any point in his career at the NBA level. And he did improve in the G League. When I went to the G League showcase, I talked to people down there. I said, yeah, he's actually starting to get some understanding as an NBA center. He had a few flashes, but he's not going to be someone who's going to help them this season. And now he's going to be in his fourth year making $12 million when you have this huge tax bill for next year. And I think the ship has probably sailed on him having some kind of like superstar potential. Like maybe he could be a decent starting center someday if he can stay healthy, but that's not going to be this year. And so at that point, considering the dollars for dollar that they have to pay, particularly going into next year or maybe even this year, it doesn't really, I think, make sense to hold on to him at this point in time. But I'm not sure that the organization has reached that point yet. And there's also the idea, George, that maybe they want to hold on to him because this could kind of be the end of this era this year, right? I mean, they just play the same way the rest of the year. They're going to be in the play-in. Like, they're not going to make it to the finals out of the play-in. And so then maybe Draymond Green does opt out and, and go elsewhere or they make another trade. And so that's uh, then you say, well, we gave up this young guy who's got some potential that could be part of this bridge to the next era just to chase something this year when we didn't even have it anyway. So I I would move him if there were a deal out there that I thought would really improve the team this year. But I understand their reluctance to do so uh, even now, uh, two and a half years in his career. Yeah, it's so weird. And and really, I don't even know if it's anyone's fault with Wiseman, to be honest with you. I mean, to your point, he's had the injury issues. He played, what, three games or whatever it was in college. Um, he needs to play. And that's why I thought the G League move, I know some people were, were down on the G League move. I actually thought it was brilliant. because no, he It helped him, for sure. Yeah, he's not going to play uh, meaningful minutes. They tried that to start the season. It didn't work out so great. And to your point, they were already behind the eight ball and still are to some extent. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am curious to see what they do because, you know, there's only so much uh, Lamb and Ty Jerome and those guys can do to help you. They, and look, individually, they've been nice players for them, to your point. Like, those guys have had moments. They've had good games. Um, they've helped them uh, when they've needed some some help, certainly, in the immediacy of it. I, I just don't know what direction you go in. But, man, if you end up moving him and you're basically getting back a rotation player and let's say he ends up being at least a good starting center or a starting center somewhere when these guys are all in their 30s you're gonna look back and say wow we whiffed on that number two pick in a big big way yeah well i think you can already look back and say that fair, <laughs> that's fair. right like the guy drafted right behind him has already made an all-star team so yeah. that's that seems pretty clear they blew that one yeah man it's crazy um all right so give me the Best case scenario and worst case scenario for the Warriors before we move on. I mean, the best case scenario is they win the championship. Still, I, I think they. You still think they're have... capable of that? Absolutely, and particularly in a West that doesn't have any really dominant playoff teams. Like, if you had the Clippers, maybe even last year's Suns, maybe even last year's Mavericks, 
and perhaps a team will emerge here in the second half of the year. But they're just uh, Denver. I, I mean, they could get the number one seed. They could come out of the conference. Like their offense is historically dominant, but they're always going to have defensive concerns. And so it, I like, I don't think anybody's going to be going into a series against Denver and being like, these guys are absolutely unbeatable. Like they, Denver might be favored. They probably would be favored if they're the number one seed and Golden State's piddling around in the play-in. But I mean, I don't think Denver wants a, any part of a Golden State matchup. They don't have any way to defend Steph Curry and Golden State probably has one of the better guys, not that you're ever going to shut down Jokic, but Draymond and Looney do a, as good a job as anyone uh, against him. So I, absolutely, I think they could win the championship. Like we've seen them match up well against Boston. We've seen them play very well in certain games. Uh, they have guys who have been there and are, are experienced and Steph Curry was playing like close to the best player in the world in last year's playoffs. So, and he was playing that way to start this season. So they absolutely have that upside, but I mean, they could also miss the playoffs, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy to think about it. Now there will be, I think it's worth noting. I'm sure we'll talk about this. The league is going to get a lot easier to win games after the trade deadline. Right. And there will be some separation, but the teams that are really going for it and the Warriors with their system, if they can just string together some games, like they should get some easier wins and be able to, you know, win 45 or 47 games or something like that, I think relatively easily. It's just a question of whether they can possibly get home court, whether they're going to avoid the plane or not. Yeah, I I have no idea what to think about anything uh, in the West, particularly, because to your point, the margins are fairly uh, thin at the moment. Um, can, can I give you a, a, a little stat on that? I was looking at this yesterday. Sure. You guys, your partner site, 538, does these projections for what's going to happen the rest of the year. 538 has the fifth seed in the West winning 43 games wow. and the 12th seed in the West winning 39 games. Right. Eight games. teams within a four-game spread right now is what they're projecting. And that's going to change. Some of those teams will go up, some will go down. But I can't remember ever seeing something like that at this point in the year. Yeah, it is pretty wild. And by the way, you know, people knock 538, but I believe they had Boston pretty much the whole way last season, right? Or at least for the majority of it. Yeah. Well, well, and then they, they had them killing the Warriors, too. And that, that didn't right. happen. But yeah, it, they're, but, they're big fans of, of... But a lot of people used to get down on them, particularly in the NBA, because they'd be like, they'd always have the Rockets, right? They'd always overrate the Rockets. But, you know, Boston was a team... I mean, early in the season, that was laughable. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. And then all of a sudden, you saw what they became, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, you know, it's not the gospel by any stretch of the imagination. But to your point, it, it is an interesting um, way to look at things. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into the trade deadline. We've already had a trade today. We're taping this on a Monday. And the Lakers have made a deal. They've sent Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks for Rui Hachimura. Now, I'm going to tell you my thoughts real quickly, and, and I would love to get yours. So I look at it this way. Rui Hachimura to the Lakers is a good deal because, A, they need a body like that. They don't have a 6'8", 6'9", type guy, okay? They have a lot of, like, guards, like way too many small guards particularly, right? There's a lot of duplication and redundancy with Kendrick Nunn. I never felt like Kendrick Nunn was going to fit in what Darvin Ham wanted him to do anyway. So I feel like second-round picks are silly because – you can just buy those. Like they're really, I, I don't think they're worth all that much. I know some people are just freaking out on social media, but that is just generally what they do. And look, I'm a guy who's generally not been very high on what the Lakers have done, uh, particularly over the last couple of years. 
So for me to at least be say, hey, you know what? I thought they did a decent job on this. The price tag wasn't too high. And they got a player that fits better than the guy they sent out. So to me, it's a win for them. But how do you view that trade? Yeah, the idea of Rui Hachimura, going back to when he was drafted number nine, has always been a little bit better than the execution you see in this big body. Like he's a, a sturdy four, modern player, athletic, but he doesn't really defend. He doesn't really make plays defensively as a help defender. Like he's okay in just a straight up isolation, but he's not going to give you any supplemental rim protection, which is something that they really need. And then He's a very good mid-range shooter, but he also doesn't give you much from the three-point line. He shoots a decent percentage when he's wide open, and maybe LeBron can help him there by setting him up more, and same thing with Russ. But his volume has never been that high. He's always been more comfortable from the corners. And so uh, the actual fit of him into the team system has not been great. He's not a great rebounder either. So he's he looks like a, a exactly what they need he hasn't really delivered at that level yet in his career. Now you make the point Kendrick Nunn was basically burning $5 million on their books and, and not helping them at all. So Hachimura has played like a rotation guy. Like this is an upgrade. The second round picks, I agree. You know, they're not, you, you can buy them after, you know, maybe about 45 or so in the draft. And now the question is just, well, what's the opportunity cost? So could they maybe have done something a little bit better? There's talk of re-signing Hachimura this offseason uh, because that's really, I mean, there's very little I think the Lakers can do that's going to get them in contention this year. So they're hoping to get back there next year. Maybe they could bring it back. But that would be, again, at the opportunity cost of going the cap space route. They'll have the option with him as a restricted free agent. So it's not, I understand the thinking behind the move for second round picks for a young guy who maybe could evolve a little bit. It's, it's not a terrible move. I don't think it really changes much for them maybe it's a, an appeasement that we're at least trying to do something uh so I, I don't know maybe Hachimura can turn over a new leaf playing with LeBron that's probably got to be your hope right I still think guys play better with LeBron even at this stage of his career I think that's part of it and the other thing is the Wizards stink at development can we just talk about this because I don't think enough people talk about how bad they are at their own player development Yes, John Wall and Bradley Beal, but those guys you could see right away were going to be like stud type players. But as far as like the margins, like I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't recall very many guys in the margins that they develop. And look, I'm not saying you have to be Toronto or Miami or even San Antonio back in the day. Like you just have to develop a guy or two. Even the Lakers prior to LeBron did a good job of developing young players. A guy like Alex Caruso turned into something, right? He was a G League guy, a cast off from Oklahoma City. Like every team at least has a couple of those stories. I don't see very many of them with the Wizards. And I, I'll take a guy who's on the Lakers roster right now. Troy Brown Jr. played on the Wizards. This guy was a lottery pick, if I recall correctly. He couldn't, yeah. he couldn't do anything there. They couldn't make him better. He's already looked better here in a few months than he's looked anywhere else, whether Washington or Chicago. And by the way, I also think Chicago is not great at it either, to be frank with you. They're not great at player development, or at least haven't been in this iteration uh, thus far. So I... While I, I'm with you, I don't think Rui Hachimura is a panacea. I don't think Rui Hachimura is getting them over the top of winning them a championship or getting them a championship contention, but it's got to be better than what they have. And these guys, at least this group that they have here, have shown that, hey, they can make a guy, a young guy, look better than, than he has in the past because they have a decent record of development. Yeah, it's always tough when evaluating the Wizards players because 
it's like I didn't really like who they took in the draft at the time of the draft, and then the guy doesn't develop, right? So is it was it a kind of a bad low upside pick, or was it a failure to develop? But what is the the mix of that? It's tough to say. And so yeah, Adjumar is interesting. Like they they can even maybe use some of his isolation scoring a little bit on the second unit and. Uh, I, I'm just uh, interested to see how that turns out. But he's also a little older than you think he is as well. He's already in his mid-20s, an older right. draftee. Yeah. So, uh, I, but I think it, there is, because one of his kind of issues has been not processing the game all that quickly. He's not a natural. He came to the game late. And so playing with LeBron does at least simplify the offensive game for him. And as a play finisher, maybe he can evolve a little bit more that way. All right, let's 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 just put a bow on the Lakers. Let's say, I mean, my, they still have some ammunition, much like the Warriors. They have two first-round picks. They seem reluctant to give those up. But let's just say this is the team right now. What's what's their ceiling? What's their floor? Yeah, I think obviously it it depends on AD coming back and oh, well, let's, playing let's the way he was. Let's playing. say he comes back. He doesn't score. He's not the guy that was scoring fifty a night. It felt like for a stretch there. <laughs> let's just say he's AD. He gives you mid 20 points somewhere 25 26 27 in his usual range right like let's just say 25 he gives you close to 10 rebounds a couple black shots yeah i think it's uh, um if they can get even like some an austin reeves back or or lonnie walker just get a little bit more depth you know i I think they're a team that will be in the play-in mix over the course of the regular season it's just i mean lebron has done an unbelievable job for age 38 the way he's ramped it up this year i think he's actually been much better this year than he was last year for example when things really kind of went off the rails for them like they've been a real team this year in a way that they weren't last year they found a little bit better of a role for russ so i i think they're gonna stay in the play-in mix all season it's just tough given the ages and health histories of some of these guys to be consistent over the 40 games of the rest of the year to win enough games to where they're even in the top end of the play-in. But if they could make it into the playoffs, you just say hey, LeBron is going to play. He's going to play 43 minutes a game, and he's at his absolute best, and AD is healthy. You know, I think there are certain teams that they could cause problems for, again, because I don't see that one dominant team out there, even a Memphis or a Denver. I think LA would come in and think they had a puncher's chance. But if they do make it to the playoffs, they're going to be going up against the one of the two seed. It's just, I would consider that one and two seed a little weaker than your normal West one or two seed. And so maybe that's how they could get to winning one playoff round. But again, coming out at that low in the hierarchy, there's no way you could make it out of the Western conference into the finals. Yeah, it, it is going to be tough, right? I mean, the path regardless um, is tough and we can sit here and say, well, it's wide open. But that also means that the playoffs will probably be wide open too, right? Like there'll be some, there may be an upset, but to, to you know, if you're coming out of the playing area to win, you know, three straight series uh, as an underdog and without home court advantage, that stuff is just really, really hard, no matter who you are. Uh, Can I ask you a question about the Lakers? Yeah, go ahead. And because you, you're, you're in LA and, and you've got a, a, a firm finger on the zeitgeist down there. What is the feeling about, trading those two first round picks are people like this is negligence to not do this like lebron deserves to put the best team around him or is there kind of an understanding of like hey there isn't a move that's really going to get us back into contention let's just hold on to those picks see if a better deal emerges in the offseason 
So this is a bit of a cop out. I would say it's pretty close to split, right? Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of people in one camp that believe, hey, this team has shown enough, despite all the injuries, that you should at least make an investment in them. Um, and, you know, I think that there's nuance to that. There's plenty, there's some people that uh, want to trade both picks and like, go, go trade those picks, use Russ's salary, get what you can get, right? Like whatever other player that you can get or players potentially that you can get with that salary and those picks. Um, and I think personally, if they really are going to sign Rui Hachimura and they're only going to have about 30 million in cap space next year, and they're going to have to go into that cap space, maybe that's the route they have to take at this point. Cause you know, let's say you sign Hachimura, you know, to what would you say an average contract for him would be moving forward? 10 to 12 million, maybe. Yeah. I mean, so, something that's kind of like a, a, a make good, you know, if you look at maybe like what Mo Bamba got, this year right it, which was 10 million with the second year non-guaranteed if Rui plays well and they want to re-sign him maybe he'll exceed that because yeah. he would approve something to the organization but that kind of second draft ish contract you know kind of in the 10 to 15 million range you know a, a year or two uh, guaranteed maybe a non-guarantee on the end if everything goes well if it doesn't then they probably don't want to retain him anyway Right. So you're cutting into at least a third, maybe up to closer to half of your salary cap available for next year. If you're going to do that, then you got to push all in. Right. Like, I don't think that that makes sense, to be honest with you. If you're going to if you really are indeed willing to go into your cap space to resign him next year, then you might as well push the chips into the center of the table. Now, I think that that math has changed a little bit. But to answer your original question, I think there were people that were willing to give up at least some of that capital, if not all of it. Um, to make a move and then there are staunch uh, hardliners that are like no this team is not worth it you know this team isn't going to win a championship LeBron's getting old this is what he, what happens you, you put all your assets into uh, into what he wants to do and then we're left with nothing which I also think is kind of stupid too personally only because you're the Los Angeles Lakers now I get it Kevin Durant didn't want to give you a meeting and Carmelo Anthony didn't want to give you a meeting and you barely got through one with LaMarcus Aldridge but eventually, history has shown that somebody is going to be willing to take your money. So uh, I think that that's why I, I look at that as, as silly as well. I just think you push. You only have LeBron for a certain amount of time, and the time is ticking clearly at this stage. So you, you have to push to do your best to make the most of his opportunity. Um, and, you know, that's just me. But there, it's, it's fairly split is what I would say. Yeah, and my thought is, and it's rare that I will phrase the Lakers organization, that the Westbrook trade was one of the worst trades in NBA history, but I think since acquiring him, that I think they actually have handled it the right way, retaining him. There wasn't really a deal this offseason. Yeah. The Turner healed thing, particularly with AD being so effective at center now and not he's just completely lost his jump shot, that's not a deal that makes enough of a difference to me to be worth giving well, up those two first. And, and by the way, they were worried about, could you play Miles and AD together too? You know, which I don't think is completely a, an invalid theory. Like maybe they can't. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, I think you could, but it's just, it's still not enough to me to say, like I would still, and, and I, I agree with the people who are like, Hey, we got LeBron James. We need to do our best to upgrade the team. It's just a question to me of I would rather see what's behind door number two this offseason or like if there is a deal that emerged to give up two first round picks. Or I'm like, all right, even if I could 
see this team if they get these guys like they're looking like a four seed they play like a four seed the rest of the year i would do that deal i'm just not sure that that pacers deal is that one and then right. also you consider you got to re-sign turner in the off season you know I, I mean for example like if you could just sign Kyrie Irving to a contract this uh, off season, right? Wouldn't you rather do that than make that trade and get healed and Turner and kind of extinguishes yes. your ability to do that. Yes. So I, I mean, it's, it's sad to have this great LeBron year at age 38, the best age 38 season ever, anyone's ever had go to waste. But I just don't think that the alternative of trading the picks now really gets you anywhere and you, lose out what you could possibly do this summer. Maybe you, there isn't something this summer, but it's not enough of an upgrade to make me want to forego that chance. All right, let's go a little faster here with the rest of these teams. You've kind of alluded to some of them throughout our conversation. I'm just going to ask you like a very simple, very gimmicky uh, question. Pretender or contender? <laughs> now, look, obviously the Denver Nuggets and the Grizzlies are, are contenders. Um, so let me, let me do this. Let me take the Nuggets and Grizzlies who are one and two right now and just get floor and ceiling for them uh, real quick, and then we'll do the rest, contender or pretender. All right, well, uh, floor is probably, I mean, depending on who they're facing, losing the first round, uh, ceiling is you win an NBA championship. So what is it that Denver and, and Memphis are missing, in your opinion? Denver, just not good enough defensively. And you even, just though they, be... even though they've, they've been pretty good here over the last, I don't know, month or so. Yeah, I don't care what they do in the regular season. Like they, they've been able to cobble it together a little bit. Like if you just and maybe there just isn't that team that's going to light them up in the playoffs. But it's just with the immobility of Jokic, it's just too easy. Both both its immobility and the lack of rim protection, it just changes what they have to do to cover up for that so much schematically that good opponents can be able to get good shots against them in the playoffs. Now they might just be able to outscore those teams but I don't think they're going to be able to play championship level defense in the playoffs. And then for Memphis, their biggest issue is their half court offense 23rd in the NBA in half court offense. Right now, the reason that they are I think seventh in the NBA in offense is that they get a ton in transition and they get a ton on the offensive glass. So, but if the game's going to slow down a little bit in the playoffs, how much can you really count on that? I think their defense is definitely championship quality. Uh, John Morant is a great player, but you wonder just like how well they can score. And so you could see Denver, they're going to get into these huge uh, slugfests offensively that could go either way. You could see Memphis getting into these grinded out games that could go either way. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised Memphis blew that lead against the Lakers the other night. Personally, I felt <laughs> like they, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say Shannon Sharp got in their head or whatever, but it just felt like they relaxed to be honest with you during that game. Um, and look, that'll happen during the regular season, but I am, I am curious. I don't trust their three point shooting as much. Am I crazy to think yeah. that? Yeah, no, I, I think that that's very realistic. Uh, they don't, you know, Desmond Bain is great, but obviously Brooks uh, is a question mark offensively uh, to put it mildly. And Jaron Jackson is uh, heated up and cooled down at, at various points. Uh, they've got this young bench that isn't playoff proven. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a concern. And free throws, too, I think, at times, too. But, all right, let's go through these quickly, uh, a little faster. So we've, we've done Denver and, and Memphis because they're the top two seeds. And it's clearly everybody, I think, in the West is flawed to some extent. Um, all right, contender or pretender? Now, contender status would mean playoff. Like, they're a playoff yeah. team 
um, legitimately, that you don't believe that they have any inkling or chance at being a play-in team, barring a catastrophic injury, okay? The Sacramento Kings, contender or pretender? I think they still have a chance of being in the play-in. Their, their defense is not amazing. I mean, again, like we said, you've got between 5 and 12, between 43 and 39 wins projected right now. I think I don't know if there's a single team coming up that I'm going to say is guaranteed to make it in to the top six other than Memphis and Denver. Okay. What if I give you full health and the New Orleans Pelicans? Yeah, I would say they they would be a solid top six playoff team, but obviously the full health has been fleeting for them. It's a caveat. I love those guys because they just don't feel like they're scared. I mean, that Phoenix series showed me last year that they're not afraid of the moment at all. Yeah, although the Devin Booker didn't play in a lot of those games too, I get it, might it. Have, it might have been a little little different. I, I the the Pels, I, I have a kind of a complicated relationship with them because I think they have benefited from some good fortune in the last year or so that maybe has made them look a little bit better and some okay. of their moves look a little bit better than possibly they deserve. But they're a fascinating team with all the guys who have such defined strengths and weaknesses in their rotation. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks. I think as long as Luka is healthy, they're a pretty good bet to be one of the top six. Yeah. Um, can they get him anything at the deadline? Do you think that that's even possible? I think like with the Lakers, it wouldn't be wise. Ultimately, your hope is to be a championship contender. Yeah, you're going to might have some short-term pain, losing the first round, and you're not looking like a championship contender, but if you give up first round picks, that's all they have as assets going forward. Like you're just kind of throwing good money after bad. They got to let this obligation from the Porzingis pick expire or the Porzingis trade expire and then have their full draft to trade for the next Drew Holiday type that comes available. The Los Angeles Clippers. (laughs) Yeah, they just haven't been able to put it together they don't really have a good third best player which is a problem when your first two best players that can't stay healthy enough to be out there a lot but they still have the upside too if Kawhi can flash some of the form he's had recently do they have too many guys on their roster no i don't think so i think they like it's just that the guys that they have haven't really been good enough right and there's no one they have a lot of guys who are competent, but there's nobody you're looking at outside of those top two who you're really looking at is even necessarily like a great starter on a playoff team. What I, but what I mean by that is more along the lines that there's a lot of duplication, I feel like, on the roster. Yeah, I, I understand the thinking there. They traded for all these wings, but if those guys just played well, we'd be talking about what an embarrassment of riches they had. Just all those guys are kind of a year or two too old to, so far. Fascinating. All right, let's kind of switch now to a different game. Playoff, play-in, or lottery? The Phoenix Suns. Wow. They played well when Devin Booker has been out there. We haven't heard anything of when he's going to come back from this groin issue after he made the mistake. Actually, what is Oh, oh, is there something on that? So I did one of their games on the 13th, and at that time, Monty Williams told me this week he would be reevaluated, not – that he'd be doing any work, but he'd be other than the whatever rehab he's doing at the moment, that he'd be reevaluated this week. That was, and I, I mentioned that on the broadcast. 
Okay. Well, maybe that means that after that reevaluation, he can start ramping up his activity and, you know, it could be within a couple of weeks after that. Maybe, you know, I, I, I wish I'm not, I haven't been around that team to really see it, but I mean, they, they have flashed good form this year when they've been totally healthy and Chris Paul is starting to show a few signs. Again, I think it just, if healthy, I think they'll play at a top six playoff level. It's just, when is Booker going to come back and can they, their bench is a little bit light too. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves playoff play in or lottery. I think good looking play any for me. Okay. I mean, look, there's the obvious issues there. Um, I also feel like they don't have like a depend on like, they don't have enough shooting, um, which is weird for a coach who really wants to play outside in. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, they've done well with some of the injury issues they've had, I think, to stay around 500. But there's disturbing news lately with Carl Anthony Towns that it's actually was a grade three strain, not a grade two. And it, he his comments basically on a Twitch stream saying how he was they told him four to six weeks and that didn't end up being the case. And, and so it sounds like his return is not imminent. And it's really it's tough for me to get excited about them unless they can get him back and reintegrated because they're just they're not going to be good enough on either end, I don't think. Scale of one to 10, 10, he's out of there. One, he stays for sure. No question about it. Will forever be in a T-Wolves uniform. How likely is it that he gets traded before the end of that deal? Oh, well, it goes out crazy far. It's five years after this year. So I think it's pretty likely that he does not end that time in a T-Wolves uniform. Call it 75% chance. I also feel like they need to trade Russell, which everyone in the league also knows because you just need to put the ball in Anthony Edwards' hands more. But that's just me. Um, all right, Utah Jazz playoff play in lottery. Probably gonna end up play in, they just can't stop people well enough to be much above 500. And they can't, they, they win enough to like screw themselves out of the lottery, <laughs> which is funny as well. This is the yeah. team I love. This is man, I've got a man crush on this team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're right there, they're right there at the near the 10 spot and the nine spot. Yeah, I think they ultimately end up in the lottery. Uh, but I, I mean, they've played incredibly well right now. They have the same record uh, as the Warriors, but it, just the overall talent level on that team, they're kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors defensively. Mark Dagnall is one of the best young coaches in the NBA. But I, I think if I had to pick it, I would say lottery. And that's probably good because Hollinger and I actually ruled them out of the playoffs. That's a game we play every week. We ruled them out of the playoffs as like our second team <laughs> way back, way back in like October. So that's funny. Uh, right. Now you're sweating that. Now you're sweating that pick. All right. Portland Trailblazers who just blew a third, whatever it was, like a 30 point lead to the Lakers on Sunday. Yeah, I think it ultimately ends up in the lottery for them because this was their chance to do something. I think they're three and eight over their last 11 and they've been healthy. They've had a lot of home games. This was their time to get a little bit of a cushion over 500. They haven't been able to do it. Okay. Now with the last two teams, we know where they're going to be the Spurs and the Rockets here in the Western conference. And I know that there's Eastern teams that obviously will be in the sweepstakes as well. Um, particularly Orlando, Charlotte and Detroit, but of the Rockets and the Spurs, who would you rather see when by land, when I think it probably would have to be, San Antonio, uh, just because of their organization, the Rockets have, it's been a, a little bit of a 
uh, a little bit disjointed there over the last three years, uh, shall we say. They've also have had plenty of lottery luck. Uh, and I think also like the Rockets have some talent already. The Spurs don't have that guy. So I think I, I would rather see him end up in San Antonio ultimately. Actually, it's funny because, you know, I actually think Scoot Henderson with the Orlando Magic makes a ton of sense. Mo Dekiel oh, yeah. and I had that conversation. Um, but if, if I'm the Rockets, I actually think Scoot is a better fit for the roster that they have. Would you agree? No, I don't think so. No, I, I think that, okay. I mean, I mean Shangun uh, good... and Wembenyama can play together. Well, I think they could, but also like Wembenyama with the way he can shoot the ball and defend, like he can fit anywhere. Like I, okay. I think I, I, I mean, if you want to say yes, they have a center there already. They don't have a point guard. Like okay, I, I understand where you're coming from, but. Victor Wembanyama is one of the top 10 prospects ever. Scoot Henderson is a good prospect. He'd be a worthy number one pick, I think, in most years. But Victor Wembanyama, you don't care what the fit is. You just want him. You just figure it out afterwards. Um, yeah. Nate Duncan, thank you so much for hanging out. Plug what you got to plug. Tell people where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. A, a great place uh, to check out our work is we do the NBA strategy stream on NBA League Pass every week. Uh, my partner, Dan Lure, and I were actually doing uh, the – Rockets and Wolves game tonight. So if you're a League Pass subscriber, you can just click on our alternate commentary. We try to give a more X's and O's focus commentary, really focus in on the game. It's kind of, it's different than a lot of the second screen experiences, which are more kind of like just a podcast during the game. This is actually like, let's go even deeper into the action on the floor. So please give that a shot. This is what makes you guys great. You and Danny do a great job. You had been doing that stuff well before League Pass. So I'm glad that you're doing it uh, with them now. Brother, thank you so much for the time. I hope to see you again soon. Take care. That'll do it for another edition of the Lockdown Podcast. Thanks to Nate Duncan for joining me there. Again, if you're watching this video on YouTube, smash the like button. And, of course, subscribe to the ESPN LA YouTube. You see it right there, of course. That's the ESPN LA logo. Uh, and, of course, you need the audio accompaniment. Subscribe to the Sedano and Cap Podcast, wherever you find your podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify. ESPN app, ESPN LA app, wherever you find it, Stitcher, I don't care. Go subscribe to it. You can hear our ridiculous, silly, fun radio show and then get all this nerdy sports stuff, particularly the basketball stuff. So subscribe to the podcast there as well. All right, we'll talk to you next time. See ya.